Dan Rosario, everyone. What's up, bro? How are you, man? A very funny man who's getting funnier and funnier each time I see him on stage. Oh, that's good. Do you feel that? Do you feel yourself getting better? Because yeah. I saw you a couple of years ago. Yeah. And yeah, I way wish... different. Yeah. Way funnier. This is a lot of gigs. A lot of gigs. And your crowd work is uh, getting really fucking good. Yeah. And I, I'm envious because I don't do a lot of crowd work. Uh. I sort of straight shoot. Yeah. Um, it's because when I started, I started in 2018, when I started comedy... Andrew Schultz was like blowing up. <clears throat> what? When did you start? 2018. Yeah. I started when I was 19, but I took, I was very half-heartedly. But when I started gigging every day, that was 2018. So I started. But I started, and uh, Andrew Schultz was like huge at the time. And he was like, the crowd work guy. So I started doing, me and Altus were doing this. Yeah, right. He's like, if we do 10 sets in a week, four of them have got to be crowd work. Dead set. Yeah, so I was just doing What like, a great rule, man. Yeah. And where did you do this? At Dirty or just... Oh, any gigs. Every, any gigs. Although, my, I remember I used to always time it where Gorilla was on a Wednesday. Every Gorilla, I'd do crowd work. And I'd rock up and I'd just... I was shit at it at the start. But I, I used to be an MC at the strippers. So I'd, be, I'd know how to like pick on people and like do that kind of shit. Mm. So I just sort of like do a lot of... I like crowd work. It's fun. And it works with the content because if you get a good clip of you doing crowd work, you put it up. That is easy and you don't waste material. So when people see it, they they like, oh, he's got jokes as well. You know is I mean? there a formula for crowd work? Nah, I don't like all that shit. There's this band I used to listen to when I was younger. They're like a metal band. And they were, they're Dillinger Escape Plan, you know them? And they used to have this thing where they didn't. They used to have the best like mosh pits and shit. And they used to have interviews. They'd be like, oh, do you like know what to say to make the crowd go crazy? They're like, nah, fuck that shit. We don't like to go, everybody put your hands in the air. Hey, everybody, on the count of three, yeah. one. They were like, that's fucking fake shit. And I've heard some comedians be like, yeah, you have these moves. Like, you're like, hey, what do you do? And you ask me a question that's like a bait. I don't like that shit. Yeah, right. Just fucking go into it, have fun, talk to them. Very conversational, you know. How long did it take you to get... Uh, I'm interested because I, I, I want to learn to do more crowd work because I just don't do it enough. Yeah. But how long did it take you before you broke the ice and started feeling comfortable doing crowd work? I think you just have like one really good set and then you're like, oh, I can do it again. Really? It gives you the confidence. Yeah. Um, how confident are you in crowd work? Like if you were doing the comics lounge on a Friday night, would you do crowd work? Uh, well, I've never done the comics lounge on a Friday night. But if I did, I would probably not do crowd work. Just because where I'm at, that'll just boop me because I'm like the new guy. Okay. But if enough. I was, if I, like at Duck Fat, where I run it, I'm, I'd do whatever the fuck. Mm. But sometimes you, you try and talk to someone they don't give you anything. You're like, oh, you freak out a little bit. That's That freak out's good, but you know, like... <laughs> like, it's like a bomb you bomb a little bit and you're like oh that's that, yeah. yeah can you cover up the freak out do you cover the freak out or do you let the crowd see the freak out how does it what's your I never freak out like visibly I don't think okay but sometimes I'm like okay and you make a joke about how you're not right. getting anything out how of it's them. awkward yeah, yeah yeah it's pretty chill well you seem like a very chilled guy I'm pretty chill people are always surprised when they meet me like after comedy hours or before comedy hours and they're like you're very relaxed excellent and yeah. there are two sides to you because I tend to be a lot more aggressive on stage, a mm. lot more alpha. Off yeah. stage, I'm not. Yeah. I don't think I am. I don't think you are. You're very polite and sweet on stage. On stage, you're like, he's fucking cunts on the road. <laughs> you're like, fuck, he's It's angry. like, yeah, it's like this alter ego. Yeah. It's the character, mm. I think. It's a, it's a character. It's, I'm yeah. true to myself. I'm yeah. saying what I want to say. But I think that's the vessel. Yeah. And if there wasn't stand-up, I'd be that arsehole at a pub on a Friday night mm. going, this guy's fucked. What's wrong with him? Yeah, Just going off at but immigrants. You going on hard on stage makes me feel like, uh, I don't know, like when you started doing comedy in, like back in Melbourne when you moved back here, yeah. everyone was like, oh, Johnny Cat's really good shit. And then I saw you get angry. It was that dumpster fire. I remember it perfectly. 
you were angry, but you it wasn't an angry bit. Like you were talking about, it was just like, and it was you weren't crushing. The audience was sort of quiet, but mm. everyone was listening. And I remember thinking, "Fuck, he's got like this sort of like." Imagine that you're like a, a glass of water, and someone gets like the red dye and drops it, and you just like infects the audience with that mm. sort of thing. So even though the water's not completely red, we all get the tone of what you're. You know what sure, I mean? Sure, sure, sure. You know, so I I started doing that. Now I feel like I'm sort of channeling this a bit of anger, and it's making me better because mm. I think I realized like. If because you're not an angry person off stage, mm. when you allow yourself to be present with a feeling on stage, it's very authentic, and the audience go, "Oh fuck!" Like, I'm angry too. Like, it, it's infectious, you know. I do that to break in new material. I mm. think uh, I try and get angrier, passionate, so that I can get some sort of hook into the crowd, so they can listen. Because mm. I know the punchlines aren't there, mm. or if they are there, they're very weak. So I try and get them on board somehow, rope mm. them in, and mm. then try and find the funny. Yeah, hard. So that's like the opposite of what Chris Rock does. What? Yeah, I heard, heard that. This? Yeah, he gets on stage really quiet, yeah. somber, and just he just says a joke like, "Hi, um, so you ever notice this? Very stiff." And that's then, fucked, man. I paid for Chris Rock. Yeah. <laughs> on horse tranquilizers. Well, I think he does that at the clubs. And then when he does his, his hour, like he comes to Chris Rock live. He's like, hey, guys, what's going on? What the fuck? Yeah. yeah it does so, all that shit. And I think that like, I'm like you in that sense. Like, I sometimes have a new bit. And I used to see it as a weakness. Like, it was like, cunts would say toxic masculinity, if you will. Yeah, yeah. But you rather than just go up and do the bit, I'd be like, oh, look, look, yeah. I've got, I've got to say something and it's not worked out yet. Like, I've cushioned it with all this fucking bullshit yeah, yeah. to make the audience go. And then it works. I'm like, oh, cool. How would you... Uh, just going back to Chris Rock, I have to ask. I know you've probably been asked a million times. How would you have handled the slap if that was you and it was the Logies? If it was me? And it, <laughs> I would have said some shit after he slapped me. Would you have gone, fuck this, I'm roasting yeah. you now? I would have roasted. But that's... I think that's... Uh, okay. That wouldn't have been a good situation. I think it's helped Chris Rock. Because the mode, well, majority of people are going, he handled it so professionally. Yeah. Which is probably like better in the long term. Very much so. Because he's, yeah, Will Smith put his foot out of line, not, yeah. not Chris. Yeah. Chris was the victim. Yeah. And it's he's cool. He's the Ukraine in all of this. You and, know? He, and he sold out, so he won. Yeah. Maybe if he went, well, you're fucking bald head ass wife. We've been fucking it. Oh, that, that would have been great. We would have liked it, but I don't think people would have liked it. People, like, boring middle American, middle Australian people like, hey, he went too far. You shouldn't be. Like, even when I, because you saw my story on Instagram, I put yep. up like, fuck Will Smith. I went like hard as fuck. Did you? I got so angry. <laughs> and then I put that up and I got so many replies going like, you cannot joke about health. Health is the one thing you can't joke about. I was like, bro, that's not true. There's so many things you can't joke about. Like, I got into this, this discussion. The worst discussion to come out is like, should you say that? Like, this is the old fucking never ending debate. Like, is there things you can't talk about? It's like, I have no interest in fucking having this conversation. But, like, that was the conversation people were having. So, I think if you went even harder, which would have been funny for us, mm. it would have fucking shot himself in the foot hard. So, you've got a decent presence online, right? So, yeah. do you get a lot of... Uh, I'm going to go to the nth degree. Do mm. you get death threats? I've had um, uh, I've had six boys pull knives on me at a party. Really? I've had... Um, Based on your... Fatima. His Fatima, mom, The guy's character. mom's name was Fatima. <laughs> and yeah, I thought it was fucking... I thought he was joking when he told me. And he also, Fatima's a, a fucking shit name. What's, I don't know. It is what it is, man. So is Stavros. <laughs> yeah. God. And Spiros. But, but fuck. Fatima's also the name. We're of, not going to pull a knife. The name of Muhammad's daughter. Right. The prophet. So prophet. But wasn't not, Muhammad banging girls that were 14? That's what I fucking. Bro, there's so many. I think he's just cut the guy who did it because um, 
because I'm having success and Fatima's taking drugs and his mum's a holy woman. So he's mm. like, he's a stupid cunt. But I had to stop doing the fat. I can't do Fatima anymore because I got threatened. Bro, it was terrifying. You really stopped it. I think about it. When was the last time I posted about Fatima? I could put my hair out and be like, oh my God, but I can't write the name. Right. Yeah. And then all the threats stopped. It was just one group of boys who did this to me. So they approached you at a party and yeah. just cornered you. Well, the, the guy came How did it. it play out? Like, were you just, oh, thanks, guys. Yeah. And they go, we want to talk to you about your pot. Your- this is like a big house party in Brighton. So these wogs, who, like we used to hang out with like Northcote wogs, they went or rented this mansion in Brighton and they're just like, fuck chicks. They have a pool. They have like a sauna. They bring the motorbike in the sauna. This crazy cunts, right? And they're is all trained. a yearly thing? No, they do. They live there. That's wow. just their party house. Fuck, those poor, white, rich neighbours. Yeah, they, they get in trouble all the time. Sure. <laughs> but <laughs> they had this fuck-off party. It was like two, three hundred people, right? Fuck. I got invited. And the I, I'm excited to go to this party because not only all my mates, but also like the people I used to hang out with before comedy. Also, all my fans. It's all like the doof people, the Chapel Street crew. So I was like super excited. Driving there with my mate. And everyone at this party knows me or knows my videos. So fucking people coming up to me, shaking my hand, hugging yeah. me. I'm fucking... It was very nice. It's a bit of an ego. Awesome. Bit of ego coming out, you know, having fun. There's chicks there, you know. Anyway, this guy grabbed me on the shoulder and he's like, bro, fucking Fatima. He's just going off me. And I, it was like, it's just on the dance floor. There's a DJ playing, there's a pool, there's chicks in bikinis. So I'm like, yeah, bro, Fatima. <laughs> and he grabs, he had a, um, a bum bag. He grabbed my bum bag. He's like, we need to have a chat. And I was like, yeah, in my head, I'm like, yeah, bro, we'll have a chat. Like, man, I can't, we'll fucking chat later. Awesome. In my head, I'm like, I don't want to talk to this weird cunt. Yeah. And he's like, no, we're going to have a chat right now. And he was pulling my bag. And I was like, hey, like, nah, man. Look, I'll call you during the week. And he's like, don't fucking talk shit, cunt. And I, he's look, look at me dead in the eyes. And people, it was on the dance floor. So people like sort of looking over like, what the fuck? And he starts grabbing me and pulling me. And it's when someone, when someone is like, str- when someone has strength and they actually pull you, you realize how much of a pussy you are. Because mm. like, I'm like, uh, uh, uh. Most comedians are pussies. All our rage is uh, an act. It's all an act. Yeah, we're, we're very... I mean, Chris, Jim Jeffries got punched and he bolted. 100%. We're kids, man. We're but kids at heart. This cunt pulled me. He was like pulling me and grabbing me. And I was like, nah, man. So I was like trying to get his hands off. In my brain, I was like, Fuck. push him. Push him. And I was like, I'm just too scared to push him. So I was just like trying to get his hands off. And then other people turned around. They were like, hey, man. like what's going? And he was like, I'm going to fucking break your fucking leg. And then everyone jumped in and pulled us apart. And then someone comes up and he's like, his mum's name's Fatima. <laughs> and I was like, what? What? And then the boys around the party came and were like, we're so sorry. He's our mate. And right. we said, if he does anything to you for the rest of the night, like, we'll fucking kick him out and we'll, we'll sort Don't worry. Don't worry. Everyone was like, don't worry. It's all good. All good. And I was like laughing about it. And then later on, like, I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm like talking to like five people, like telling them the story. And like, it was like a funny thing. And the party went on late, late, late. And then like, maybe like 1 p.m. Everyone was fucking gacked. People were like, it was just chaos. And I bumped into someone, I turned around, it was him, and I was like, oh shit, I took a step back. There was a guy I haven't seen at this party. And it was like six like very out of place, like sort of like Muslim kind of vibes, boys, like out of that, like, fuck it. They circled me, and I'm looking around, it was like they were waiting for my mates not to be around. Mm. And they grabbed my wrist and just twisted it, and one of them was like holding something, they were like, can't, we will fucking, they said, I will fucking pump you in the side of the leg if you fucking make one more video. And they're like, pull your phone out and delete all your videos. And I was like, I'm not doing that, like. I'm not deleting my videos. I can't. That's how I make money, bro. And he was well, like, "Well, where was it? Wasn't Adem there to have your back?" Adem was not there. And I invited the cunt. He didn't come. <laughs> um, so those six people, that was enough for you to go. All right, I'll pull it. That mm. was. I bolted. Mm. I ran, and like everyone, like the next day, I spoke to all my friends who were at the party. They were like, "Bro, like this cunt's been to jail and shit. Like, okay, we'll help you if you can, but we've tried and talked to him. Yeah. I'm like, talk to him. They call me back. Like, ah, oh, yeah, no, they get to delete that." 
So I just had to stop. And I put up a fight. I went on my podcast. I was like, fuck, these cunts are full like ranted about how stupid it is, the situation I'm in. I went into bitch mode. Like, I'm an independent artist and I'm being silenced. All this yeah, shit. Yeah. In the end, I'm like, I think of it like a business move. Like, my health and safety is more important than using the name Fatima. Yeah. So I just changed the name. I don't even say the name. I just, like, there's still a girl who does this. Yeah. And everyone knows the name's Fatima, but I can't say it. He's a fucking idiot. But it's, you know what the, the interesting thing is? And I've never been down this train because I'm hmm. ethnic and most of my family are religious growing up. I'm like Catholic, Christian, whatever the fuck. But fuck religion's dumb. Hmm. It's fucking real dumb. It's so hacky to talk about religion in a bad way because it's been done to death. Yeah. But fuck it is stupid. Yeah. You're going to hey. kill someone because he's making fun of the guy whose number one rule is don't kill. Hmm. I don't get it, bro. I don't get it. It's stupid. Did you come from a reli- religious yeah. background? Hindu. Rose is a very Catholic Christian. I don't know if it's Catholic. Is Christian. it? What was it? Hindu. Anglo-Indian. Anglo-Indian. We're Catholic or Christian. I okay. forget one of the two. I don't know. The same same shit. It's Jesus, right? But one of them is like, I don't know. They're different somehow. Okay. But we went to church every Sunday. Yeah. And then in year 10, I think it was like, I saw some movie and it was talking about how religious. I was like, your religious is dumb. Fuck. And then, like, I went to Catholic school. And it was just like, oh, I fucking hate religion. And I told my mum, I'm not Catholic anymore. I don't want to go to church. And she was like, all right. How'd she take it? She was upset because her grandma died and she was religious. So she goes because of her mum. Yeah. But I personally don't give a fuck. Mm. I don't go to church or anything like that. I'm religious only for my mum's purposes. Yeah. When my mum passes away, I think that's it. Mm. But for now, I do it for mum. Mm. I'm not eating meat today. It's Greek, Greek Friday. It's a Greek Friday. Yeah, I don't eat meat just because of my mum. Yeah. I worship my mum, not JC. I like that. Look, <laughs> JC. <laughs> JC sounds like some wog. <laughs> uh, so do you uh, do you think twice now when you're producing content for Instagram and, and your social media platforms, or do you not? You still go in balls deep. And I then... don't think twice. I okay. just don't. I just sort of blocked out the name Fatima. But you know what? It's an interesting point, though. I sort of sat, I sat with the, th- the thought for a bit and spoke to some people. This is going to come up in our lives, you know. Mm. Right? Like, I've done sketches. Of, we were talking before about how I was on radio. I've done sketches where I've received phone calls. and Phone calls from randoms? Uh, yeah. Well, one guy was, Ita- apparently he was Italian crew. There was a guy that was gunned down at the front of his house, and I did a sketch where I was outside his house. And um, it was Mario Condello. I think he got shot in front of Brighton while I was on radio. And I did this sketch... And, uh, yeah, I had a phone call going, just stop it, Johnny. Just stop it. Get off. Just stop it. Get off air now. Don't talk about Mario like that. Just please. And uh, it was enough in the tone mm-hmm. that I heard the seriousness yeah. of it. I'm like, all right, I'll pull it. Yeah. So I pulled it. But um, Why do cunts get violent about Like, I get it. Like, joking about religion can be offensive to someone. And yeah. especially, like, a death. But, like, don't you hear that? And as a, like a rational person, or oh, they're not rational people, I guess. Well, that's it. They're yeah. not rational. I would I, be like, I want to talk to someone who was going to talk to them. Yeah. Because I don't even want to have a confrontation about this thing. It's like, that's making, like, if it's sensitive to you, like someone, you know, died, and that means so much to you, that need, that's it. This situation needs to be addressed with sensitivity. That's how I'd approach it. Mm. Like if my mom died and then I saw some comedian like, yeah, fuck Dan's dead mom or some shit like this. I wouldn't be like, I'm going to fight you. I'd be like, bro, what are you doing? Like, why, why do you think that's okay? Like, let's talk about this. That's how I'd approach it. Mm. And that's a way more emotionally in tune way to do it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They just can't. Like you said, they're irrational people. Mm. Um, so you don't prescribe, or sorry, you don't subscribe to any religion, but you go to these bush doofs, and that, in a mm. sense, is a religion. Not really. Not for me. No? I just like the party and the Do you get way. fucked up when you go there? Yes. I, I, did, I did it for a long time. And for the majority of 
my life on earth from now on. I so f- for those who don't know, Bushdov, it's like a four or five day festival, right? Yeah. Out in the middle of nowhere. And it's trans music. Trans, sometimes it's techno and house music. Yeah. And the light shows are sublime. Yeah. Well, yeah. those are the, that's, there's different kinds of doofs now because they're popular. Okay. So there's like white people doofs. It's all house music. And oh my God, yeah. It's are like, they all intense at the end of the night? Kind of. Some okay. of them, some of them have like the glamping things. But the the doofs that I like are the fucking OG like from come from the nineties rave world. Like <laughs> okay. the fucking bro, we got a fucking doof and it's hectic side chains and light shows like you said and, and why do they appeal to you? Because you just get loose. It's like you're a fucking kid in the jungle running around with no shoes on. You just don't have any care in the world. And I think for me I care a lot about what people think of me. So at these doofs it's sort of like Ugh. Yeah, right. Is there a is there an age cutoff where you're like, bro, come on, how old are you? Me? For no, for for you. Are there like, do you see people and you're like, yes. mentally, are you like, dude, you're too old for this shit? Yes. Yeah. What is that age? I cutoff? see it at twenty five. Twenty five. I, I if you're not in the doof world. Yeah. Like if you're like a like guy a DJ or something like that, or or if you're like helping out the festival run, or sure, your your you and your wife go every year, something like that. That's fine. Someone like me, I'm like, why the fuck am I going to these stupid things? Yes. The only reason I go is because my following are there. And the last one I went to, I was performing. And also, when I was there, um, I'm plugging myself. Hey, they do, guys. People come up to me, take photos. And I come home and I've got like 300 followers. Mm. So it actually helps. It actually helps my career to That's go fantastic. and take drugs in the bush. So. <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. Um, do yeah. you go? Have you been? Uh, no, I used to go. Yeah. But 25, that's it. Yeah. I did MDMA recently for the first time in 10 years, and my brain was like, don't you ever do that why? again. Why? Well, like, during or after? Just how, like, why am I doing MDMA? I'm 45. Like, yeah. why are you doing this shit? Yeah. Like, stop it. See, I feel like it's different at your age. Yeah. You can now. I can't. You've seen some shit, though. No, it just doesn't work. MDMA does not work. That journey, that orbit that I'm in does not work for my age. Really? I'm too old. What, did, what was your experience like when you took it? It was uh, like a mirror up in my face going, what are you doing, bro? This is ridiculous. <laughs> were you with friends yeah. and shit or were you by yourself? Just uh, with, a, with a bird. Oh, you and I was like, nah, this is fucked. Did you fuck on MD? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that would have been lovely. That was all right. Yeah. But um, I can't do anything other than Charlie and mm. mushrooms. Uh, that seems to be the, I don't know, old man's drug. Do you smoke bud? No, I eat it. Oh, like the brownies and shit. Yeah, I'm spewing. I haven't got one for you. I can't eat. I don't take drugs, man. I took drugs at Esoteric Festival this year. Okay. Previous to that, it was, what'd you take? I took pingers. Oh wow! I took pingers. Are they called MDMA caps or are they called eckies? Like, is, so there's there's pills. You press them. The little fucking, yeah, that's what I grew up on. But no one has them anymore. Everyone has the caps because it's pure MDMA. Yeah. But I'm fucking. I, the, I used to hang out with a lot of Arabs and Wogs and shit. Yeah, the and cap. we liked the hard shit. The pingers, like pingers. OG, you know. The Mitsubishi's. They were stamped with yeah. Mitsubishi's. Pink Mitsubishi's. They were the best. And green <laughs> green Heineken's. Yeah, right. And they're, they're mad. So we were just eating them all festival. And that was just like silliness. Mm. I can't do hallucinogens anymore. Especially at a festival where people are talking to me and shit. Like if I go, to, I like my shit's like you go for a hike with my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go it's solitude. Hike. Yeah, it's quiet. It's a personal thing. That's religious. It's a personal thing, yeah. yeah. But if I can take a ping, that's just social, social. Talking to chicks, jumping around off stage, yeah. boogieing, getting the energy out when you're dancing. That's MD to me. Mm. But even like you said, like, I can't take gear anymore, especially marijuana. The second I have any gear, I just go, what are you doing? You're, you could be doing something for your comedy. You could be doing something for your body. Yeah. You could be saving money. You could be fucking riding. There's so many different things you could do. Yeah. But taking gear, I don't know. I don't know how people do it past 25. Yeah, I agree. Uh, because you've got an ambition now. 
you got mm. something to do. And yeah. I think that's... Uh, so you're pouring yourself into comedy, right? Yeah. That's a full-time pursuit now. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Yeah. And I got something to lose now, too. You know, when I was 23, and I'd go to Dolphin, it would just be like pure sociality. I had nothing on in the background. I was just like a vessel for party. And I... what would, Like, if I... Like, the... For example, if I go to a dwarf, just for pleasure, it's four days, right? Or if you just want to go for the weekend. On that weekend, I'm missing like five gigs. Mm. You know what I mean? And I want to get better. I want to get funnier. You know, I've had the party. I've done that. So why would I fucking waste, invest more time into the party when I can invest it in doing gigs? Mm. Which is, honestly, gigs are funnier. Funnier. Funner, anyway. Way more fun. Yeah. Oh, my God. A yeah. lot of, like, I just, there's nothing more entertaining for me than going to a horrific slash very good open mic yes. where the crowd punishes shit acts and mm. rewards good acts yeah i love that it's it's very it's gladiatorial yeah like the coliseum mm. if you're shit you're going to be chewed up yeah and if you're good you'll be rewarded 100 like last night the funny bunny in st kilda that mm. descended into madness a bear pit it was awful the bear pit and exford isn't the bear pit it's anymore. great it's great it's a good gig now it's a good gig and it's like people are belting 90 year old tyson and saying they took on tyson yeah. no you didn't the bear pit's gone it's not like yeah. that anymore i 100 percent agree it's always like a warm crowd they want to laugh yeah they're, they're, it's a normal gig i've had people because we did shows for the festival i go what, sh- what other shows have you seen and they go oh we've been twice we go to that one in russell street i'm like what is it like i'm thinking like mantra hotel or something they go, oh, we go to the Exford. And that, people go to the Exford, could drive into the city, like a, a family will go to the Exford and go, yeah, I went to the comedy festival and go home. That's not a fucking bear pit. That's like a nice comedy festival. Yeah, right. It's free, so they go. But like, I know from when I started, people used to say, oh, the bear pit was like, it was like the fucking, the hardest gig ever. Like you could bomb. It would have been. Yeah. It was. Yeah, I, m- I remember vaguely, like it was, yeah, it was unplayable mm. unless you screamed at him. And had a joke every 20 seconds, but a good joke. Yeah. So it's hard. I haven't seen many people do well there. What was, was... What's the hardest gig that you've ever done? Like, not like a once-off, like a repeated gig, like even in the UK. Like, was there a gig that you went to all the time? You're like, that's the fucked one. Probably in Bournemouth, which is an hour and a half south, mm. west of England. Mm. Uh, it was a stag, it was a nightclub, and it was stags and hens. What, like Bucks parties? Bucks parties and hence parties only. <laughs> so you'd be like, in the crowd would be four different Bucks and their mates mixed in with five different hen parties oh, all together, yeah. all racking up in the dunnies before the show. Yeah. Everyone's like finger banging the other parties from they're all cross rooting. Oh, from And yeah, it was most unplayable. And there was inflatable penises in the crowd and... Oh, yeah. You know, straws with penises yeah, yeah. And, and no one was paying attention. Yeah. That had the tendency to be a daunting dig on your diary where you're like, fuck, I've got to prepare myself mentally for this. Yeah. Front, that was frontline warfare. That was you come out and you just fucking hit them hard. And How often are we doing that gig? Every month on a wow. Saturday night. Once a month, Saturday night. Worst is I lasted t- seven minutes once. Yeah. Because I caught some guys doing blow in the dunny yeah. before the show. Mm-hmm. And then when I got on stage, I was like, hey, they're the boys that were racking up. And the security goes, who's racking up? Oh. And then he went to kick them out and they turned on me. And the birds that they were with, that they promised them blow, kicked the dick at me. And I grabbed the dick and kicked it back at them, knocked oh. their drinks over. Oh. And then it was on. 
It was no, a fight. Couldn't, couldn't save it. Yeah, yeah. Holy they rushed the stage. Security got involved. And um, the, the, the promoter goes, just get off. Oh, Just was God. lighting me and going, get off. That was the hardest gig I've ever done. Fuck. And was this like a booked gig or was it open mic? Booked gig. Fuck. Yeah, so they had three. <laughs> I was so... The dick in them. Yeah, I was so bad. <laughs> I was so bad that night. I remember there's a Sydney comedian called Dave Eastgate. Mm. I don't know if you know him. I think I've seen the name float, the name float around. But. Dave Eastgate was on after me. And he goes, during the break, he goes, mate, are you okay if um, I do what I need to do to separate myself from another Aussie on yeah. the bill? And I'm like, yeah, man, just fucking do it. So he goes on stage and the crowd start booing because there's another Aussie. Because mm. I wasn't a wog over there. Yeah, I was an so, Aussie. Yeah. And uh, the crowd were like, boo. And then Dave goes, hey, hey, shut up. Don't lump me in with that other shit that was on before me. <laughs> and I'm like, just do it. Yeah. It's fine. Did it sting a little? Yeah. Fucking yeah. oath it stung. But I deserved it because I course. didn't play it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fucked it. That's the fuck thing about comedy that I think a lot of open micers definitely forget, especially in Melbourne, is that your job as an entertainer is to entertain the audience. Mm. It's them. It's a selfless act what we're trying to do. We're trying to make them have a good time. And I think with doing a lot of open mics, you can get into the repetition of like, this is for me. I'm writing these jokes. These jokes are going to be on. Mm. But when the audience don't like you, and sometimes your mate's got to shoot you in the foot to get the laugh, to make them happy, mm. you got to like be a bit selfless and be like, just let it happen. You know? Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's a cunty game sometimes. Oh, absolutely. That's what, that's what I love about it. I think secretly I love the fact that you can't work it out. Just when you think you've worked it out, mm. you'll get uh, a nasty surprise. Yeah. Like none of your stuff will work and you're back to square one and yeah. it just freaks you out. Yeah. And as much as I hate that feeling, maybe I wouldn't want it any other way. Mm. Um, I don't know, because I think if I had it any other way, it'd be too boring, too mm. easy. Like sometimes I'm envious of people like pilots because no matter what plane they jump in, mm. They'll fly it. Yeah. They get it. It's just physics. Whereas yeah, for they us, get bored of that, man. they get bored of that. Yeah. If it was, if comedy was just crushing, you'd get bored. Yeah. You'd fucking like on to the next thing. Yeah, on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Because you'd uh, move on to acting or something. Yeah. That's a challenge. That's why people who just do the comedy festivals, like you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. Like every year, they right come up, out of nowhere. They come out of nowhere. They do about three weeks of open mics, and then they do their fucking solo. Yeah. And they're like, especially if they're like a. Uh, not uh, not straight comedy. It's like a musical comedy or, or a queer act or something like that. It's got another focus. Mm. They sell so many tickets during the festival and they disappear straight afterwards. And they come out the following year. And it's fine. They get rewarded for what they're doing. And for a lot of people, they like it. But I don't think that they experience the crush of a bomb. Like, it crushes your soul. And that is like... It's like even this festival, from like because we did six shows, right? Me, Fergus, and Casey did six shows together, like a split bill. And we booked it so late because we're like, we've got to book a festival. We only got the spot because Casey's a female. And the guy who books the venue were like, we just need one more girl. Right. So we got this trio together. So you sent her in first. So yes. Yeah, so and we did that well. Yeah. And, and I was, I spoke to so many different people about the festival. So many other comedians that we performed with. And they were like, just prepare for some of them to be shit. Because one or two nights will be amazing, but some of them will be half sold and it'll be awful. And yeah. And I was like, fuck, this is going to suck. But like, you know, I've done a heap of open mics. I'm ready for this shit. We sold it the fuck out. And I remember thinking, oh, this is so easy. And I thought about it. Why have we sold out? Well, you sold that because of your following. No. And Fergus? No, not true. Fergus didn't fucking pull a single fucking cunt. Really? <laughs> Every night. Hey, who's here for me? Maybe four or five sometimes. 
15 for me. Who's here for Casey? Casey bought some friends and family. Oh, we have, who's here for Fergus? What, wait, what's your capacity? Like 40? 50. 50. 50 okay. 56. 50. I thought you would have sold out because of your following. No, nah, I, I purposely, this is going to sound cunty. I purposely didn't want to use my following for this. It's a split bill. Because you wanted to build? I wanted to just see how it works. Okay. I have this sort of following that sort of dilutes what it's like to do the festival. Is that your crowd at Duck Fat? That's all my followers. That's all your followers? Everyone there is just there for me. Right, yeah. But with this show, I'm like, I want to see if I can have an authentic comedy festival. Sure. And we were selling out. And I, I can th- respect that. The reason why it worked is because the name. Almost TikTok famous. Okay. So people who go on TikTok all day, who go to the festival, they go, oh, that one's good on TikTok. Oh, people, we were flying. We flied shitloads on the street every night. Once we had 30 tickets sold, we fly. We got 20 people. So we were, we were doing good based on these little other things that I'm proud that we sort of lent into a little bit. And I remember thinking, like, because of these sort of little, like, marketing techniques, I think that someone applying for their first comedy festival has a cool name. That's a cool poster. They're cute. You know, it's like quirky gay guy with, like, a colorful poster. And the name's like, that's so bitch. Oh, fuck, I don't know. That is going to sell out at the festival. Because the festival, like, that's although my it's, next poster. it's the comedy, oh, yeah, I would love you in like a bikini. Like, I'm taking it. But like, I can picture like the Melbourne Comedy Festival is so queer focused now, right? So many of the people who go, the young people who go, are so like they were woke. always diverse though. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah, okay. But always, it, yeah. it's I mean, not it's not straight stand up anymore that sells out, you know? No, like I've been to so many shows just yeah. to watch. Like I want to go see this guy, this guy, watch all these internationals or all these inter interstate comedians just because I've never seen them. The one show that I will say was heaving. It blew my mind. I, I was like, I, I was think, rethinking my whole game. <clears throat> it was Hot Department. We're a sketch group. Um, it's a it's a lady and a, a gentleman. And they're taking their clothes off and it's music and they're doing jokes. It was packed, like three hundred Packed on like a Thursday at like 11.50 p.m. Wow. It was jamming. And I was, bro, my jaw was fucked. I was like shocked. I was shocked. I was like, this is like the festival. And shows like this, like queer folk is fine, like all this shit, that's what sells. And for us, just doing stand up, it's 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 so difficult to push because there's it's oversaturated the festival. They're like, why would I go see this guy just doing stand up when I can sure. go see this fucking fun, fantastic, whatever? More senses. Yeah. And the yeah. things like name, their show was called Hot Department After Party. And the poster was like, them looking all saucy. You know? And I'm like, this is like people who do the festival once a year only experience this glorious, illustrious gigs. Because their their marketing is so perfect, mm. you know what I mean. But cons like us who just gig all the time, permanently, forever, we see the bottom so quick, and it's like it strengthens you up. And that's why not to shit on anyone, but we are funnier than those festival acts because mm. our nervous system is a lot more tense and ready for failure. And even when it fails, it doesn't hurt us. Well, yeah, I think if comedy was warfare, we're frontline troops. We're just like trying to learn day in day out Mm. and we go through the shit Mm. Uh, we just wanted to learn stand-up i think and you're Mm. part of that yeah you know and you're always a student right like i always yeah always always will be Mm. as well i think yeah i think it's scary if you ever think that you've got it Mm. that you've nailed it but i guess you know Chappelle's nailed it Mm. but he he said so he said that thing recently like two years ago there was some like new comedian talk i forget who it was but it was like a lady and she was talking about how it was like to go out with Chappelle. <coughs> and they went out together. They did a gig at the cellar or something. They went out. They were drinking. It was like three in the morning. They were getting fucked up. And Chappelle turns to the other two and goes, hey, do you want to go do a spot? And she's like, what? No, we're drunk. Like, we're, we're hanging out. Why do you, you want to go do a spot? 
And Chappelle was like, well, if we don't do a spot, how are we going to get better? And she was like, here I am talking. Let's hang out. This is the best comic in the world. And he wants to get better. Mm. And it was like a wake up call for her. Like, oh, you're always getting better, you know? Was this at three in the morning? It was like late. Like, gig, gigs were over. And he was like, let's go do a spot somewhere. And they were like, oh, fuck, he's a, that's why he's the king, I guess. Yeah. I didn't know Oscar ran rooms in uh, <laughs> at three in the morning in New York. Yeah. <laughs> he probably would, though. You get a message from Chappelle. Do you have the passcode for yeah. the door? Who's <laughs> <laughs> your favorite comic? That's a wild gig. Me? Yeah. Favorite comic? Uh, at the moment, it'd have to be Louis C.K. Yeah, he's a gun. Yeah. I His just, last one was good, huh? Yeah, very good. Uh, everything he did aside... I'm just just talking about the artist. I just think it's um, it's uh, it's philosophy as well as yeah. social commentary as yeah. well as great stand up. Yeah. And I don't know how he's gonna come at me. Mm. And I think that's the biggest joy I get out of stand up, yeah. not knowing which angle you're coming at me from. Yeah. Whereas Bill Burr, Bill Burr reminds me of like a Dave Hughes. Yeah. Like I know they're gonna get up and just go go go. They're mm. gonna come at me from this. Uh, exhausted, mm. blue collar angle, mm. shit, you know, bum, bum, bum. I can mm. see him coming a mile off. Yeah. Whereas Louis tailors it. Yeah. Um, and I think Dave Chappelle is a wonderful successor to the late Richard Pryor. Yeah, Hundy. For sure. Because it's feelings. Yeah. He's and, throwing out feelings for you. And that's my favorite stand up. And same. that's what I want to be. Yeah. I want to be autobiographical, but sort of reveal myself who I am. That's you why I struggle. That. That's why that I struggle so well. bringing family to shows. Oh, really? Yeah, man. Because you got to understand, my mum is a wonderful, innocent Greek lady, and mm. I don't want her to expose yeah. her to my world of mushrooms. And, yeah. you know, yeah. even though um, she would never understand, you know, mm. like I haven't touched alcohol in four weeks because of a mushroom trip that said, stay off yeah, really. any. Any, everything yeah. except for coffee. Yeah, that's all I. Wait, how many, how many mushroom trips you take? How often do you do it? About twice a year, three yeah. times the oh, most. That's, right. that's that bit you have. To yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I genuinely try and stick to it because I think it loses its uh, sharpness. Yeah. If you hit it too hard, it's like anything. Yeah. It's like it's like bombing. If you bomb too much, you start to bomb really well, because you sort of go, you don't give a fuck anymore. When you crush, like you know what? I've been doing all these really good gigs. Um, I've been getting a lot of good spots, and um, I've been blessed. This guy who works at the festival sort of picked up on me, and he's been giving me like good gigs that are really like a lot of people and like a couple hundred people each night, and all this kind mm. of stuff. And I've noticed just in me going from just slaughtering in front of these easy gigs, going back to the open mics is very hard, mm. and I feel so much pressure, and I bomb horribly. Wow! And I suck, and I go fuck. I'll do my good shit, and I bomb with that. And then the, the next kind, some Joe shit, the rag man, you guy will pop up and just do new and destroy. And I'll be like, fuck. What and do you it, put it down to? I think it's because you forget, it's like anything. Once you go there, it's really hard to return, mm. you know? And good gigs will always come and go, but you always should be doing like poxy gigs just to get into the rhythm of writing and stuff. Mm. And like for me, like, you know, I'm a new comic, so like I don't really have a taste of the other world, the upper echelon. So what I do, straight away, you're like, oh, is this it now? Is this something I want to do? And then you go back to the moment. But like, when, you, when you're doing open mics all the time, you get good at doing open mics and you, you cry. And then you get put up in a good gig and you just destroy. You've realized now, surely, that when you do the Comics Lounge on a Friday, when you do Kings of Comedy on a Friday, mm. when you do the Comedy Store in London on a Friday, mm. you're going to crush. 
because yeah. the doors have opened. They mm. deem you ready. Mm. So you're not going to falter. Mm. Do you, are you aware of that? Like, kind of. It's, it's just, they know, they, they, ju- they prejudge you. Mm. They've seen your material. They know what you do mm. and they know full well management that you're going to crush in their room. Yeah. And the audience on a Friday night uh, at the store in London, they've paid something like $60. Oh, fuck, really? Aussie dollar, like 30 pound to be there. That's so insane. there's this, there's this, um, trust that's given yeah they've already invested in the show absolutely and they know we're paying thirty dollars it's the center of london this guy's going to be great so you're going to come out you're going to be nervous but you're going to crush yeah well that's what i've that's i love those gigs yeah they're fun as fuck so it's interesting you'll learn at the bottom end of the ladder Mm. yeah you you, that's where you learn that's where you actually figure out shit yeah and that's where you get your tone that's where you understand what you want to talk about yeah that's where you find yourself and you perform yeah. in the plush rooms. Yeah. And in the plush rooms, I feel like, like, um, like I've been doing Comedy Republic a fair bit, right? And I, the one thing I've noticed about Comedy Republic, it's a bit easy. Mm. It's a bit easy. And I feel like sometimes I'm up there, I'm like, I feel hacky. You know? Mm. And then I'm going back to the open mic and I'm like, whoa, this open mic is so shit. Well, like, I wasn't like this three weeks before I did this fucking other gig. So I think when Comedy Festival ends... It's like an end of the series of good gigs. I'm gonna go back to the mics, um, and just fucking push. So I'm going to Sydney. I'm moving to Sydney in May. Oh, permanently? Just for six months to see how I go. Yeah, right. See what's up there, you know. Yeah. Just smash it out. All these new gigs. That's no f- great. No friends. No f- distractions. Just focus on writing an hour. That's what I want to do. And like, um, it's it's got to be good to go. Just like be known at these open mics. So you literally got no one up there. I've got no friends. Nothing. Cool, there's man. one that'll be exciting there's one like there's a few comedians i know and i think my sister used to live there she got some friends but no like social scene at all so you're just going to hit the ground then the open mic scene and yeah that's fantastic i've got i couldn't get book spots there because yeah, all those sure. dudes know me from instagram and shit yeah but i want to i want to suck some dick man yeah yeah no that's, look sucking dick is good that's how you learn to get good at it that's how you got so good right <laughs> <laughs> definitely <laughs> if only i could suck dick to get to the top what's um What's doing comedy in the UK like? Because I, like, from when I, when I started comedy, I was kind of upset. Because I wanted to be, like, like, I used to love that Louis C.K. show, Louis. You yeah. watch the show? Yeah, yeah. That show, like, that was, like, a fantasy. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to start doing comedy. I'm going to get to, like, do New York. And I came to Melbourne, and I was sort of, like, upset. It's like, it's not the same here. But my plan was always to fuck off to another country and do comedy. That was, like, my dream, right? And Alessia's obviously moving, my best mate, he's moving to fucking UK and I'm moving to Sydney for a bit. And I'm thinking like, I want to go to New York and do it. But it's terrifying. Just the idea of what, like things are going really well for me here, right? I'm sort of building up a nice little thing. And if I stay here for four or five years, I probably could be like a good comic in Australia and make money and have a lovely life. But there's this this sort of fear like if I jump ship too early and go to New York, everything here just goes, all right, he's gone. And I try there, and what if I don't do anything there for six years? Come back, and I got that's that terrifies me. And it, how it, much does it terrify? Does it terrify you to, towards inaction? Nah, I'll so you'll go. Yeah, I think ultimately you're going to do what you do. Mm. What you do, you'll decide what you do for yourself, mm. and it'll be the right decision. Mm. And I think anything else will be, um, yeah, you'll have the benefit of retrospect one day in the mm. future. But having said that, you will decide what to do with your own career mm. and it'll feel like the right thing. Mm. So 
if you stay here out of fear and don't go, That's then you're the going to hate yourself. And you're going to be complacent on stage. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to go because I wanted to go as far back as 2000. Look, yeah, I mapped it all out. I I had pinpricks on my wall of a map of London with all the fucking gigs. Yeah. Um, and I was ready oh, really? to go. Oh, really? Like all the spots to go All to. the spots. Fuck. Um, train lines. What's the best area to live in London to get to all these gigs? What time was the last train home? I mapped it. I planned it. I went. I planned to stay for three years. I ended up staying for 10. Mm. Um, but what brought me back was I had a fiance at the time. We mm. wanted to live here again. And I genuinely started missing home. Yeah. I felt that um, I needed a soul to my soul to grow so that my comedy could grow yeah. I genuinely believe that I yeah. needed to be um, here mm. I was on the road a lot mm. um, and since being back have you noticed that your comedy has changed at all? I think it's gotten deeper and more personable mm. more personal mm. and uh, yeah way more enjoyable for me yeah um, you know what I will, yeah I agree with that because the first time I ever saw you was at the lounge and I think you were like just come back yeah and I remember seeing you, and it didn't tickle me. Mm. It was like I was laughing and stuff, but it wasn't like it didn't grab me. Mm. And it was when I saw you like a couple of months later at Dumpster Fire doing the crazy shit. Mm. That's when I was like, "Who the fuck? This is like I've never seen anything like this." Mm. So I agree. I think what you said is true. Yeah. You know, maybe like what you said about your soul, like being here more in tune with your mom and your family, and obviously yeah. like you're coming here, going from Australian to walk, mm. which is probably what you identify with way more growing up in that. Absolutely. So being in tune with that energy and like rolling around in that source, mm. it sort of unlocked some other deeper, richer ideas in you. Yeah. And I think to answer your question before you, when you said, what were the gigs like in London? I think the gigs in London are the same as the gigs in New York that mm. I did. And the gigs are the same as Melbourne. Mm. They're all the same. Mm. If you're not famous mm. and if you're unknown, mm. the crowd look at you like, who the fuck are you? You better win us over. Mm. Until you're famous, mm. and you know, this is what Jamoan said to me. He goes, when you're famous, you've got four or five minutes of grace where they'll go with you. Mm. And then after that, it runs out. So in that four to five minutes, mm. you better get them, grab them and go. Mm. Um, but if you're, if you're not famous, every gig is an audition. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, there was a lot of times when I was in London that... I'd think you'd think it was a gig in Melbourne. Yeah, really. It's no different. It's mm. a diverse range of acts. There's Canadians, there's South Africans, yeah. there's Australians. Mm. It's great. Would you um, recommend London over New York? I would. Yeah, I mean, really? Yeah, well, because I went to New York and uh, it was a class system. If you're not famous or if you're a nobody, you mm. have to sign up at 4.30. Yeah. And do, and do uh, opens. And I struggled. It was mm. just, there was no path. It took me three months to break the comic strip on a Monday night and I got seen and then they passed me to come back and do one Monday night a month. Fuck. Yeah, like a paid 10. Yeah. So that was the first bit of progress. What's paid? Like 10 bucks? No, it was like 40. Oh, that's... 40 US. Yeah. So once a month you get 40 bucks. Yeah. Fucking big time. Yeah, and... um. And then I came back and there was a comedian called Brendan Burns. I know Brendan Burns. Yeah, man. And yeah. he said, dude, go to England. Yeah. Just go with 20 minutes of good shit. And I went and I did an audition for 10, passed. And then they rang me up and said, come and do a different 10 mm. to the same promoter. So I did a different 10. And they said, yeah, you're in. That's 20. I was getting paid work. 
And I'm like, this is a no-brainer. Yeah. And, 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 and England is such a... Well, sorry, Britain is such a small mm. piece of land. Mm. 60 million people. So yeah. there's millions of gigs. Well, yeah. my agent alone had 110. Yeah. And that was just my agent who I yeah. didn't have to ask for gigs so he just give you gigs like hey come here come here come here come here that's your night yeah that's that was my agent like 110 gigs across the uk and then i was allowed to find my own gigs Mm. and book my own stuff so yeah you can be a well-paid unknown comedian yeah which is what i was which is what i was telling alessia another great comic yeah which is what attracted him so much Mm. because i think he strikes me as someone that just wants to put his head down and work You know, so that's where if you want to just get good at stand up and just do stand up, Mm. you know, I went through five years of radio and I came out the other side kind of bitter because I wasn't promoted Mm. and I was stuck on nights and I wanted Mm. to leave night radio so I can go and do gigs and that fizzled out. They never promoted me. So Mm. I left and that's where I was like, where can I go to just fucking do gigs? Yeah. And that's where London came calling, you know, London calling. Well, yeah, literally. So I think that's. But I don't know. I can't get involved in your career, but yeah. I think you should see what happens here. Yeah. Because... I've got to stay for a couple of years. Yeah. No yeah. one's taking away your gigs. It's mm. different if you got a job on radio and you yeah. couldn't gig at night anymore. Then yeah. I'd be saying, don't give up your stand-up. But yeah. fuck, man. I mean, yeah. if you're gigging at night, why not just build your Following, present? Yeah. yeah. And you're not, you know, your stand-up's not suffering. You're gigging yeah. every night. Yeah. So why not? Yeah. Go to Sydney. Yeah. The thing is, I can... The, I mean, this weird opportunity, like... Where I'm not famous, but I have the ability to sell tickets. Yeah. So that sort of gray area sort of takes the pressure off. Whereas to someone Alessia, he's my best mate. And I think he's better at stand-up than me, but doesn't have that ability to sell tickets. Mm. So for, because I can sell tickets, I have sort of a responsibility to use that platform yeah. to make money here. you know. And my end game is to be able to come to Australia, do like, four festivals like melbourne comedy festival adelaide perth and then sydney and then fuck off somewhere else for the rest of the year mm. do gigs all fucking day and night and come back to, every year i make my money in that that monthly mm. that's my plan you know but it's like such a fucking gray area you know like no one has this path that anyone else has so you can't like if you, if, I, if, I, if i was employed like i went to union did marketing everyone in my family wanted me to be like a marketing Whatever. Well, you've marketed yourself expertly. Yeah, fucking it. But your parents wouldn't understand that, probably. My mum gets it. My mum gets great. it. That's great. But like they, in my family, like you go, you get a job, and then you speak to your, you have like a mentor, and the mentor is like, well, you do this and you do this, and then after three years, you should do this, and he's applied for. This. That's like my sister. She's got a good job, and she tells me she goes, oh, I've got this friend who's a runner, and he's teaching me how to run. Like you've got people who like sort of influence you, very specific things. And I look at that, I'm like, I can talk to comedians about shit, but it doesn't matter because since we're all different on stage and the way we act and socialize is different, just based on that alone, the way we traject into our careers is going to be vastly different. So advice is always just more like, here's my perspective. Here's my perspective. You know, this is how I write. Don't do it because you're probably different, but take what you can out of that. You know what I mean? It's a weird industry, but we all are symbiotic. You know what I mean? Like, even though me and you have very different people with different lives and different stand-up styles, like, what I take from you is very unique to what I am. And what you take from me is very unique to what you are. Mm. You know what I mean? And same with Lesha. Like, look at... Me and Lesha have been best friends for 10 years, right? He's my best mate. I talk to him every fucking day. He'd call me while I was on this podcast. 
could you fucking find more two opposite cunts? We're physically and mentally and emotionally the complete opposite. You know what I mean? But we're best mates. I think that says a lot about comedians. If you're funny and you make someone laugh, doesn't matter what fucking values you have, your social skills, your hundred oh, percent. You're like, I like this cunt and he likes me because we make each other laugh. Yeah. And that sums up all comedians, you know? Doesn't matter if you're fucking like me unless you always makes fun of me, but it's like when we were fucking young to now, I've always been the cunt. He comes up to me and goes, Oh bro, fuck this chick. Like oh, you know. And he's never been that cunt. And I'm sure <laughs> that he's been fucking cunty, like, fuck this motherfucker, you know? Like I would hate that cunt in my life. Mm. But we're still mates because it's funny. And he, you know, and the same with Lesha. Hey, I used to be the party king going out every fucking week, all the doors. Do you wanna come? He would never come. No. He's like, fuck that shit. We're just raised, like, why would you be friends with somebody who doesn't want to do the same things you want to do? It's because we're funny. Stand up. That's Stand the up, common baby. ground, man. The common ground. <laughs> Absolutely. We make each other laugh. Um, man, I've got to go. Yeah, bro, fine. Three o'clock. I promised uh, I'd be out of here. Yeah, spot on. Um, thank you so much for coming in, man. I appreciate it, brother. I love you. Thanks for having me.